You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. You're listening to episode 372 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Today is a special episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast because I have a panel of guests to tell the story of RailsConf 2021. Let me introduce our guest today. Marty Hott is an engineering manager at HashiCorp and is based out of Colorado. He's been a long-standing community organizer since founding Boulder Ruby in 2006. He's one of the directors at Ruby Central and helps run RubyConf and RailsConf. He's known to be a foodie and occasionally hosts fancy food adventures. Evan Phoenix lives in Los Angeles and has volunteered for Ruby Central since 2011. In his day job, he's a principal engineer at HashiCorp. After working in Ruby for a long time, it was assisting with running rubygems.org that originally brought him to Ruby Central. Welcome to the show to you both. Great, thank you. So let's start you know, from the very beginning. For listeners who might be unfamiliar, what is Ruby Central? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we've, we started originally uh, back in, I wanna say 2001 um, with Rich, Rich Kilmer and uh, Chad Fowler and David Black, um, they came together and it was originally created mostly to help run RubyConf. Um, there wasn't a RailsConf at that point and it kind of uh, was just really a, a vehicle to put on the conferences. Um, and you know, back in the, the first RubyConf was, uh, I think the very, very first one was only like you know, 15 people or something like that and it, it grew from there. Um, and yeah, I think it probably it's the, the, the quick, the quick history as I to hit the, hit the high points is, um, the first RailsConf, uh, I believe is 2006 and O'Reilly used to put that on. They were actually the ones that would do all of the management and all that kind of stuff. And they asked Ruby central to actually run the program. And that's how, uh, Ruby central first got involved with, with RailsConf. Um, uh, fast forward, oh, you know, probably uh, 2009 or so is when uh, Ruby Central uh, started, uh, took on um, Ruby Gems. At that point, we also had another service called Ruby Forge, uh, which was a, a, another defunct thing that we could talk about. Um, and then in 2012, uh, O'Reilly decided they did not, they no longer wanted to do the management for, or it was actually in 2011 was the last year they did the management for RailsConf. And so in 2012, Ruby Central took over the full-time management of the program as well as the all of the planning and everything for, for RailsConf. And we've been doing, so RubyConf and RailsConf and management and RubyGem stuff since. How is the management between RailsConf and RubyConf similar? Is it the same planning team? Is it really identical? Or are you treating those as two very different events? Yeah, um, we, we treat them mostly as very two separate events, although we have in uh, the recent years started to make them more similar to each other. But I think it's important that we still keep the two events sort of distinct from each other. RubyConf has always been sort of more of the developer conference that is uh, less um, formal and more kind of hackathon, you know, more of a community vibe, whereas, you know, uh, RailsConf has uh, more of the uh, slick marketing, uh, you know, event type thing going on for itself. And 
Um, but otherwise, the, the teams are the same. We have uh, full-time staff, uh, three full-time staff members and some part-time staff at Ruby Central that, that does all the behind-the-scenes logistics. And then we have six directors that uh, share chairing duties. Uh, we have two chairs typically for each conference, and that rotates across the six directors. And then we put together a program committee for each individual conference, that, and that changes each time. And those individuals come together to decide sort of what kind of uh, program do we want to have. They define the CFP that we open up and then help select uh, the uh, talks that go into it. Uh, but uh, otherwise, it, it, it is a changing, at least those two, the chairs and the uh, committee do change each time. That makes sense. So before we get into RailsConf 2021, I want to be taken to the room where it happened. How did you handle and pivot RailsConf 2020? Well, um, you know, we, okay, so uh, Mar March, what's the first day? What's the day they canceled the NBA games? I think, I want to say it's March uh, 15th or 16th or something like that, um, 2020. Uh, we've been talking um, previous to that a little bit about what was going on and trying to make a determination of what we were doing and kind of... Uh, we didn't nobody had any information right so no one really knew what was going on so we didn't feel like we really we really could could make much of a call about what was going on and so uh after that day whatever again that mid mid march 2020 when everything started to fall apart uh, globally um it was it was pretty clear that we were going to have to just make just make the call that it wasn't going to happen um and so we had already, uh, the CFP had already happened. So we already had speakers who were lined up to do it. And so when we, when we made the decision to, okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, we can't, you know, we're not going to be able to have it in person. That was pretty, it was increasingly clear. You know, I think we talked about, uh, you know, who to involve and how to, like, how to talk to the venue was a really big question like uh were we gonna was the venue gonna accept a cancellation or a deferment or whatever and so we when we made the decision we immediately were like okay well we need um, um heather uh who works uh, does our main contract negotiation you know let's go talk to the hotel let's go talk to the venue and figure that out um, that started re uh, right away but we'd already kind of made the decision that we were going to we're, we're not going to have it in person and so uh you know it was it <laughs> It was tough because, you know, part of the situation for Ruby Central is as a nonprofit, you know, all the, the we have three staff, um, every, everybody else is a volunteer, including all the directors. And so we, we were sort of, you know, and we, you know, uh, again, running, paying for all the Ruby Gems infrastructure, we were looking at well, what's going to happen to all of our, you know, we were thinking what the, the revenue loss and all that kind of stuff. And so we, um, I think we, we were realizing that it just wasn't happening. So uh, given all of that, uh, we made the decision. I think that, you know, I'm, I love working for, with Ruby Central and all the folks because it's very rare that there isn't a broad alignment on a lot of these things, you know? So I think that we were all very um, uh, measured in our, our assessment of the situation. And then when it was a, pretty obvious that it wasn't going to happen. Everyone was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, and so it wasn't, 
there was no internal contention or anything. It was like, oh, I guess it's not going to happen. What do we do now? So again, we had speakers on board. We basically emailed them. Hey, the conference isn't happening. <laughs> I should pull up the email here. Hey, the conference isn't happening. And um, uh, here's what's going to happen. If you want to submit a, a, a talk, we're going to basically just put all the talks, everybody who wants to do it, we'll put them all online. We still had some sponsors who were interested. And so, you know, we managed to eke out a, a tiny uh, in comparison, a, a, a tiny bit of funding from that. Um, but it was, oof, you know, like I think the long the long version, uh, obviously, uh, this is the short version, surprisingly, but the long version um, is also the, the months before that, right? The like, you know, Feb, starting in February, um, January, February, March that day, I think we didn't cancel until April. So it's really the four months of discussions and trying to figure out what to do that happened before that was also a very long road. So, Well, I think you handled it really well, and it really sets the scene for RailsConf 2021. So I'm curious, how did you approach that? Yeah, here, I'll, I'll jump in again. So I think that um, we... We were, you know, we were monitoring the situation, right? So we we generally book these. We they both work on a six month cycle. So by both, I mean both conferences. So they're and kind of out of necessity, they're six months apart, so that we have time for the same team to be managing them both. And uh, after, uh, you know, we had the the remote um, RubyConf back in November, um, and it was pretty clear. Um, that, you know, it, things, things, especially in November were, um, in some places good in the U S specifically in some places good. Um, but if you go back and look, December, uh, was like the peak of, uh, that, the outbreak for a lot of places. And so it was pretty clear we, you know, right away, hey, we're not we're not going to be able to do this in person. And we, again, we reached out to our venue. Uh, Heather did an amazing job with basically renegotiating with our our, our con the contract with uh, uh, the venue. And then um, we'd had obviously we'd had 2020. So we canceled 2020. And we just basically put the conference on at the last minute. But now we had more time, we wanted to cancel it far enough ahead of time that we had the the time in order to be able to, to really to put it all together. And so uh, Penelope and I got together, and we basically just started brainstorming what is what how do we want to do this? What would we, what would be interesting? What do we want to achieve? And all that kind of stuff. And so that was, yeah. And I think there's a is a, you know, a, an interesting story to tell here of like, with Rails Comp 2020, it was so sudden, we didn't really have the time to pivot to anything beyond what we did. But but Allison and Barrett were the chairs for Reconf 2020. We knew it was going to be virtual. We had already made that decision. Like it was, there was no real option for it to be in person. Um, you know, you know, back in April and May, you know, right after RailsConf. And so they had time to kind of think about what would a virtual reconf look like. And they went ahead and put together a version of that. It was, uh, you know, fairly reduced um, and focused from what we've done in the past. Uh, so a lot less talks and um, not as much time. But uh, it was great because we learned a lot about what worked, what was too much effort, uh, what did people engage with. Uh, and it really uh, paved 
uh, sort of the way for you know Evan and Penelope to like okay now we, we we've seen what happened there so what is the next version that's even better going to look like and so that sort of like both of those fed into that and and now actually we're talking about RubyConf in in Denver in November in which we're going to you know take those learnings forward. I'm curious because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, RubyConf 2020 is where you started to experiment with like real-time interaction with remote attendees. Yes. So what did you learn from that and how do you do it right? Yeah, I mean, we we learned so much, right? It was the first time out of the gate for us trying to put on an event like that. And I think we learned a lot about both the, the interaction with the event as well as sort of the, the production side, right? I think that one of the things that Penelope and I talked a lot about as we were getting the conference together was, um, you know, how do we make it an event that um, is both cognizant and, and aware of people's time? So in other words, you know, if you're at a conference and, you know, you're, you're physically there, you're there and, you know, we're taking up your full day. And if you're at home and you're doing this thing, we were like, okay, how do we want to take up someone's day and someone's time? But also, how do we want to make sure that they feel like that they have some interactive component that they feel like there's a there's an experience there that isn't just the same as an experience that they could have had just watching YouTube videos. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we took a lot out of the discussions and the polls and the side conversations and all that kind of stuff that took place for RubyConf um, that took place uh, somewhat within the platform and um, somewhat within the Slack that we had set up for RubyConf and pulled all that information forward to, to RailsConf. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that um, for RubyConf uh, 2020, it was the first time we had a conference-wide Slack that everyone was gonna be part of and we expected there'd be interaction there and there was, it was very popular. And so with, with RailsConf 2021, we went ahead and went with Discord um, as the platform over Slack uh, which has some interesting properties that are different. And it's just really interesting to see the interaction, especially like when a keynote goes on and, you know, you have this back channel effect where everyone's kind of like just chiming off each other. There's emojis, there's, you know, memes and all kinds of things going flying by. And it just, it felt very conferency, even though like I'm sitting in my home office for this. And yet I feel, I can feel the energy really of what's happening. I think that one of the interesting things about it was, was at least to me, was, um, you know, back in the, the early-ish RailsConf days, um, you know, like, I didn't go to the first one, so maybe 7, 8, 9, 2007, 8, 9, there was an actual back channel. Um, and it was, but it was very exclusive because it was like happening on an IRC channel or something like that. And I had that in my mind, actually, when we were working on, you know, putting this discord together, because there's an element of, 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 of not, not of mean spiritedness of like being able to talk about the conversation. And yes, I mean, to back when it was a, 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 a private back channel, I'm sure there were some, some uh, things said that you wouldn't say in a public one, but the still the spirit, the idea of like these people of, of, of having the conversation of riffing off what was being said of, of sharing gifts, um, in the back channel, um, you know, people loved, and it's one of those things, uh, that I think that, you know, we're, we're really in conversations right now to figure out, well, how do we keep that going even when we are back in person? 
That is such an interesting challenge to tackle. Now, what I'm curious about, and I want to get into RubyConf 2021, is you're essentially taking all the lessons that you have learned from these virtual conferences. So lastly, RailsConf 2021, but also trying to marry it with all the lessons that you've learned from the in-person conferences, which the last one would have been RubyConf 2019. So how are you tackling this and how are you balancing two different audiences? Right. Yeah. So one, I think one interesting thing that we really loved seeing with both RubyConf and RailsConf Virtual was that we had a lot of people join from all over the world that have never been to a RubyConf or a RailsConf. And they're getting up at you know odd times of the, of the day to attend. And it was really neat to see that, um, that happening. And so when we started talking about RubyConf, we, we were pretty clear, like, you know what, this virtual thing, it's, it's allowing us to reach a broader audience. It's allowing people that normally wouldn't be able to spend the money to travel um, to be part of this. So like, what does that look like? Could we pull off something that's in person, but also has that virtual um, experience? And I think the, the answer is we feel we can. We feel we can do that. And um, so we're looking at, well, can all of our content be accessible through either a stream or be sort of published, you know, right away. So within hours of something being recorded and then be put online so that you could watch. One of the cool things about what we did at RailsConf is that there's, you know, this catalog of on-demand video that you can watch. And some of it's been grouped into playlists and people will do like little watch parties and say, hey, I want to watch this content together. And so like, what does that look like if the content is happening partially in person and maybe and maybe part of it's, you know, virtual or, you know, pre-recorded? Would that still be compelling? Would people still enjoy it? And I think the answer is yes. And the thing is nice is like, you can engage with that content later. Like if you've had a long day and you know, like you only had time to really do like three or four sessions and you know you had to miss a bunch of stuff because that's kind of the classic thing of both the conferences is there's too much content. You have to pick and choose what you're gonna engage with. Well, what if later on you're like, cool, I'll just watch the stuff that I missed or I felt too tired or you know wanted a break and I can just watch it two days later or that evening or something else when it makes sense for me. That's such a good point because there is such a challenge in having to choose which track you're going to go on. And sometimes you feel like you're taking a gamble and it feels rude to leave and switch. Or So in this case, you, you can, no one knows. And then I really think about the workshops. For me, if I'm doing a workshop, like I might want to be at my own desk, you know, and have my own things and be able to take some quiet time to do that workshop, but there is an energy in doing it with other people in person. So it really is your cup of tea that you get to choose. Yeah, it was it was so interesting when we were working on the, uh, you know, one of the conversations that we had for, for RailsConf was how many talks should we have? Like, what is the number? Because, you know, we kind of went through it and we thought about it and we said, well, if we have a three-day conference in person, you can see you can see a maximum. I think it, the number is twelve. You can see a maximum of twelve talks because you you're a physical being that can only be in one place at one time, right? And so uh, we were like, well, you could. That's the minimum. Then you could have 12, 12 sessions, and that would be it. You wouldn't have to have any more because uh, that would be fulfill what you would do if you were in person. And the the quandary then becomes: how do you balance that 
that number of how many you can go to with, yeah, exactly what we're talking about. How, wh- how do you want to have choice? Do you want to be able to pick and choose? And um, filling out a person's uh, interests not beyond just those two or three days that they might be engaging with the, like the, for instance, the, the online component, the, the chat room and all that kind of stuff. I am curious, you know, first of all, why Denver for Ruby, RubyConf? And is it going to be a bit precarious in order to get a ticket? Basically, when they go on sale and you are thinking about going, should you really get a move on? Um, well, so Denver, uh, so we, we select our location like two years in advance because you have to book the venues um, when there's availability, and that usually means two years in advance. So we actually already had Denver um, already uh, uh, obligated from a contract standpoint. So that, that's why Denver. We, we could go into how we choose the locations of our conferences. That's a, that's a whole other uh, conversation, which is pretty cool. But um, I, I think that uh, we do have, um, it's unclear. Right now we have a limit of how many people can go into the convention center. It's unclear if that limit's still going to be, you know, in effect in November. We are going forward with the idea that that will be. So there is certainly a possibility that tickets will um, go pretty fast for in-person and that they actually will sell out well before what we normally would um, expect because we, um, we're going to be, uh, first of all, from a, uh, a sort of a logistic standpoint, we're not going to be uh, laying out our rooms in the same sort of way that we have in the past. So we're going to be doing more social distancing and, and really thinking about how many people can be in a room uh, just to be a little more respectful of our community and being safer that way. We don't really know what, the, of course, the guidelines will be in November. Um, I'm, it seems like where things are trending, they're only going to open up more and more, but we don't anticipate to sell as many tickets in person, but we will have virtual tickets that you can get. So if people, you know, if we do sell out that way, at least they'll be able to have that virtual ticket. I, I don't expect that we'll sell out within like weeks. I mean, there was a time, uh, I think 2006, actually, when we were in Denver for RubyConf, I remember that selling out like within a day. Uh, it actually sold out within 20 with uh, short of 24 hours because there was people that tickets went on sale and they were sleeping because it was you know they're in Europe and they had no idea and they wake up and the conference is sold out and they're like what so it won't be that it won't be that but you know don't like also wait till like September to buy your ticket if you really really want to go in person so yeah and tickets go on sale soon correct yeah I think we likely will have them go on sale um, in June, is my guess. We're, we're still working out um, some logistics around that, uh, but uh, we, we, we expect that it will be pretty soon. So June, July at the latest. There is definitely, uh, I think we are going to be doing early bird. We're still working on a lot of details with that. Uh, but we definitely, um, we, will, we will announce it. If you follow us on Twitter, we will announce when uh, things open up. That is exciting. So I'm curious from both of your standpoint, you know, this is pertinent since Stack Overflow just had a podcast this past week titled, I believe, there aren't any good Ruby developers out there and they're really hard to find and hire. 
So where does sponsorship land in, you know, these two conferences? What are sponsors looking for? Are they looking to market their products or are they actually looking to hire developers? That's a great question. Um, you know, and we, we like to ask our, we, you know, we, we, we definitely survey our sponsors to ask them that exact question. What are you looking to get out of the conference? Uh, I think that, you know, the vast majority of them are there to hire. Uh, they they're there to find people to advertise you know like hey we're you know we're this company and this is what it's like to work here um, that is the that is the vast majority of our sponsors um, even in person um, especially this year right especially this year it was very much a hey you know like we're sponsoring because we we want you to work here uh, we want your to your attention right in person uh, for instance the last RailsConf in person which have been which was 2019 which would have been in in minneapolis you know thinking back on it it was it's a very different uh thing that the conference that the sponsors can get out of it for instance we have a bigger expo hall and all that kind of stuff and so you might think oh well they're going to want to you know get people to buy some something or you know use one of their things or whatever yeah that's true to a certain extent i think we've had uh we have various uh you know service companies or uh uh you know i think we've had we have jet brains occasionally wanting to come and sell editors and things like that you know that there's there's sorts of tools but still the majority of it you know if you look at the the big sponsors at our conferences you know your 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 googles or i remember at, in minneapolis weed maps was a very big sponsor then they were they they weren't looking to sell their wares i can tell you that much they were looking to they were looking for people to work there and uh you know what I can tell. What I can tell you is, yeah, I did read that blog post. It's interesting to me. Um, it's a signal of if there aren't any good Ruby developers out there, it's not a signal of a dying community. It's a signal that the community isn't big enough. That's that's usually what I take away from that kind of thing. Because when I go to those conferences and we ask people, hey, you know, like is this your first, second, third conference, that kind of thing, you'd be so, you, we have so many people for whom this is their first conference. They're coming out of code schools. They're uh, they they've you know they've been on the periphery. Maybe they switched from something else. Uh, they are so many people who are new and in the community and who continue to come back. And, you know, we, we, we've been so blessed to not have a big attrition rate at our conferences that every year we have the same number of people coming back. And that's, that tells me that the, if you can't find Ruby developers, that uh, there's more Ruby out there than there are developers rather than the inverse. I absolutely agree with you, Evan. I think that we have a ton of applications that have hit maturity you know, the fact that Shopify is a hiring a thousand developers certainly doesn't help. But then on top of it, I think we have a ton of applications out there that require new developers and we don't have a dying community. I think that our members, you know, love Ruby. They know what they love and they might they probably really like their job right now. And so that's the trick is, you know, being able to pitch yourself in a way that would convince somebody to leave their current job. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think we we make the the. It's not a joke. It's the reality. But I think we say it with a chuckle sometimes that you know Rails is the safe choice. Ruby is the safe choice. Uh, you know, we I think we say it with a chuckle sometimes because we remember when it was the risk the riskiest choice that you could probably make. But right now it's the safe choice, and it's the safe choice partially because the number of people who know it, the number of people who are fluent, who are capable, who can do uh, the 
the vast majority of the work is very large and it fits within the um, the meat of the curve of what people need out of you know programming web apps or whatever it may be totally agreed so you know before we depart you know any last thoughts around what attendees can expect from rubyconf 2021 well, I think it'll be very uh, be a lot of fun. I think it'll be very interesting. I think uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, interplay between both virtual and um, the uh, uh, the uh, in person uh, folks. Uh, we will have a uh, shared chat uh, service that we'll be using. Uh, so you you know whether you're in person or whether you're remote, you'll be able to interact with everyone through that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an interesting challenge. We've got a lot of things to still kind of dial in and tweak. And, and as always, I think we've, we've been, um, been a group that's willing to experiment and try new things. And, you know, that's going to be no different for this year. That sounds awesome. So I am curious, you know, Ruby Central is so core to our community. How can listeners support Ruby Central in the conferences other than attending? Well, I mean, the big the big way that right now is is through attending. You know, we we're looking to do a lot of different things um, later this year to get people involved in other ways other than just in supporting the supporting other than other than just attending. You know, I think that uh, if you're if you have a company that is interested in sponsoring one of our conferences, you know, reach out to us. I think that's another that's a always a good way to have a conversation about. Um, even if nothing comes of it, you know, what could we, what could a, a smaller company or any size company really expect to get out of, to, of one of our conferences? We love to talk to those companies and um, get them involved um, in those ways. I think the other thing I would say is, is um, you know, uh, submit a talk and speak at the yeah, conference. Absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, there's, you know, whether you're um, a veteran or not, doesn't really matter that way. Like, there's always something interesting that you can share and that we look for lots of new voices to um, to speak at our conferences. And I think that that's uh, something that if if you're all up the fence and thinking about it, like I just encourage you to do it. Like I think that's huge. Yeah, I'm 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 glad you brought that up, Marty, because I'm actually worried uh, on a on a semi comical but not note. You know, the number of testing talks at our conferences has dropped off precipitously. And uh, I'd love to see more testing talks again, because I think we've got a lot of new people in the community. I don't think we we talk about that enough anymore. Interesting. Any other topics that you'd like to see? Well, I I have an affinity for the strange when it comes to RubyConf specifically. Uh, You know, I've I've done various tracks at RubyConf that were uh, just talking about things that were very almost adjacent to Ruby in some in some ways, trying to bring them into the Ruby community. So I always have those more uh we had a we had a gentleman who for years would come and give us updates about his submarine that ran ruby and i think we missed that sort of energy to a certain extent well i can tell you i can tell you that uh very soon the cfp is going to open and i believe there is a track that indeed looks amazing at i yes. can't wait i hope we get a submarine update <laughs> I'm so tempted to title this episode "Submarine Update." I'm not going to. We but could I'm do very a, tempting. We could sing "Yellow Submarine" in round. There's three of us here. We could get it done. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Evan and Marty, how can listeners follow you and Ruby Central? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm MG Hot H A U G H T on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I'm Evan PHX on pretty much all of the things. So you can you can find me there. 
Perfect. Yeah, and, then, and then both of our conferences have their own uh, Twitter accounts, RailsConf or RubyConf. Uh, and so you'll want to follow those uh, to learn more. Fantastic. Thank you both so much for coming onto the show today and telling the story of RailsConf 2021. I know it definitely filled in a lot of blanks for me. So I appreciate you sharing that story. And I am super pumped about RubyConf 2021. Again, thank you for all your contributions to the community. Oh, thank you. Of course. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review and thank you for listening.